Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. First week, Daniel showed up, my buddy Daniel, and he did an incredible job. And he talked about when it comes to words, hearing God's words, hearing God's voice. And he went through some pretty practical ways of hearing God's voice. Does that help anybody in the house? I know I listened to it. Okay, everybody else already knew. Look, we're just engaged. Did that help anybody? Week one, did that help anybody? Okay, I was making sure. Um, I know when I went back and listened to it, I was like, man, Daniel's always had such an incredible way of putting something practical, taking a spiritual truth and bringing something practical to it so we could apply it and walk it out. And then week two, Pastor Lonnie showed up. Pastor Lonnie don't play, y'all. He, uh, he told me, he said, hey, I pulled on him a little bit to, like, respond and stuff. I was like, that's what I was hoping. He's just like the grandpa of the house, okay? Um, he's, he is a grandpa in real life, so I'm not, I'm not offending him. But uh, Pastor Lonnie showed up, and I loved, actually, I, I had Josh FaceTime us, so we watched, like, the jank version um, in the back of the room. It was all, like, uh, you know, it was cutting in and out, but just talking about the words that we can speak, declaring things into the atmosphere. And I think a lot of times, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in a very traditional church background. We kind of get nervous, like, well, man, I can't, like, I can't make things happen. No, 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 no. You don't make things happen. But there's an authority that we've been given because of Jesus where we can declare, and he does the work. He does the supernatural work. But I promise you, all throughout Scripture, go find me things that God did miraculously without partnering with man. There is the six days of of God saying, let there be, let there be. After that, go find me a situation where God just did something crazy. I mean, he always partnered with mankind. He said, Moses, lift up your staff. God didn't need a man to lift up a staff to part waters. Why did he do it? Because he was giving Moses an opportunity to respond in obedience for God to do the supernatural work. So what Pastor Lonnie was saying is so true that our words hold power. What we declare into the atmosphere, hey, husbands, wives, what you declare into your marriage is even if you're not feeling it, like you're doing whatever you got to do to make sure like, babe, you're amazing. I'm so thankful for you. You're incre- You're going to have to speak some things. And the Bible's very clear. We speak the things that are not as though they are. Wives, I'm, I'm helping some of y'all out because I know your husbands might, there might be a lot of not because I'm, I'm, that's me, okay? When Shauna listens later, she's going to be like, mm, amen, golly. But we speak the things that are not as though they are, right? I heard someone say one time, you could complain to a spouse, why don't you do this, why don't you do this? Or you can celebrate the small things they do and then watch them to begin to do the things that you once complained about. Words matter. Words are powerful. When you're speaking the word of God over your children, I had a conversation just this past week about one of my kids, and someone used a word to define them, and, and I, it's, it's, it's unbiblical. It's not, they were just talking about maybe their demeanor, and I'm like, well, no, the Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear, and so no, that, that's actually not true, so we're not going to speak that over my kid. So you can go ahead and rephrase it. You can figure out how to reword that, but that doesn't line up with the word, and that's not what I speak over my kid. And so words matter. And then last week, I love what Pastor Rich showed up. Um, and Pastor Rich and uh, Mindy, I mean, they're just, they're both incredible. Um, if you ever are in Louisville, Kentucky, you need to go hang out at Big Church. Their church is incredible. And, um, but I love what he talked about rest. The word rest matters. And I think it's so cool how God titled this together. And then what we're going to do in these next few moments is that hearing God's voice. And then I'll just tell you, don't say anything you haven't heard from God. Hearing God's voice speaking things into the atmosphere, and then, yes, having a Sabbath, having Selah moments, moments where we pause so that we can begin to walk this out, where it becomes your identity. 
And that's what I want to talk about today. The title of my message is this, The Words We Wear. The words we wear. We've had words spoken over us, each and every one of us. As you've grown up, there's words that you speak over yourself because of what a parent maybe once told you, and then you just adopted it, and then you're like, oh, yeah, that's just who I am. That's just my personality. Can I just, if you're taking notes today, can I just give you a statement that's going to hurt a little bit, but it's one of the best statements that's helped me grow, and it's stretched me. Your personality is not an excuse for spiritual immaturity. We have to grow. We do not get to say, that's just my personality. That's just how I talk to people. That's just how I treat people. No, I'm being conformed into the image of Christ. I'm being made more and more like him every day. So my personality doesn't disappear, but there's some traits that maybe don't line up with the word of God and they have to fall to the side. And then I have to walk out looking more and more like Jesus. My personality is not an excuse for me staying at a not growing spiritually. Okay. And that's for each and every one of us. But many times what happens is words are spoken over us, we attach it to our personality, and then we just live in this place without recognizing, man, I'm wearing some words that God doesn't even say about me. We have words from seasons that we've allowed to become soundtracks. Many of us struggle, and we deal with the words that have been spoken over us that aren't true, but what we do is we just settle with it, and we just figure out how to get through it. Yeah, I mean, I've just always been told I was kind of a shy person, so I'm just shy. I'm just shy. Look, Philippians chapter 4 says there's a gentle and a quiet spirit that pleases the Lord. That is good. Shyness? No, no, you can have a gentle and quiet spirit and please the Lord, but you're not shy because once you have the spirit of God in you, you're not afraid of what anyone thinks because you know what God says. I'm not concerned living my life going, oh, what do they think about me? What do they think about me? What do they think about me? I don't need what anyone else thinks when I already have what God says, that I'm loved, that I'm forgiven, that there's grace, there's mercy, there's new mercies every single morning, right? And so... When it comes to the words we wear, we're all guilty, myself included, of settling for things that others or ourselves have spoken over us that don't line up with what God says about us. So here's what I want to build from this place. We, if you're in this room and you are a follower of Jesus and there was a moment in your life where you did something, you said, yes, Jesus, I'm giving you my life, I'm surrendering to you, and there was a heavenly transaction that took place, and that transaction happened by faith, okay? We, we, it could be said this way, in the kingdom of God, faith is a currency. What I mean by that is Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we are saved by what? Grace through what? Faith. Faith was the transaction that was needed for you to receive the grace of God, Okay? And the sad reality as I was preparing for this message and began praying for so many followers of Jesus is that we have this heavenly transaction with faith to be like, I'm saved. I got saved. I went and got baptized. I went down front. You know, I filled out a card. I talked to my pastor. My pastor came over. Like, I grew up more traditional setting. So, like, they sent deacons over to my house. I was nine years old. Like, are you sure? Do you understand? Are you sure? Are you sure? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Jesus said, let the little children come unto him. And he also said that if you don't become like a child, you can't get into the kingdom. And so I think some of y'all are on your way out, but I'm on my way in. I'm sure. I might not know everything, but I think I just got to know that I'm a sinner. And that there's no way I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Romans 10, 8, 9. Amen? I'm pretty sure. And so I made that decision and a heavenly transaction took place by faith. But do you know one of the saddest, most heartbreaking things for followers of Jesus is? We'll live the rest of our lives making no more transactions by faith. We'll live our lives saying this. If you grew up in church, you've heard it before. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Just, that's all I am. No, that is a lie. That is unbiblical. Once you are saved, you were a sinner. 
You are saved by grace. You know what sinners become once they're saved by grace? They become saints. You've been given a new identity. The old is gone. The new has come, right? He literally says to take off the old and put on the new. So I don't identify with what I once was. Doesn't mean I don't struggle. Doesn't mean it doesn't try to show up. But it's not my identity any longer, right? I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so I was a sinner, but I've been saved by grace. And so now I'm learning on this voyage of following Jesus. It's not magic. It's not overnight. I'm just learning how to wear the words that he speaks over me. And the reason I say the sad reality is that we stop making heavenly transactions is because there are words. We get saved. You are saved. Your eternity is going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now I'm just going to suffer through life. No, 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 no. I want to be able to fulfill the purpose and calling that God has on my life, and I don't want to continue to wear things I no longer should be wearing. And so what has to happen is there has to be this place in my life, this consistent place of meeting with God where these heavenly transactions are happening, and I change what I'm wearing. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times I've been with God, and I'm like, that is not me, God. That's not me. I put that down. God, I pick up what you say about me. And then it's Tuesday. Anybody else like put that? Yes, I am. I am angry. <laughs> Come here. You know, like we 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 will switch the words out quick. But I think that until we move past, man, I went to church on Sunday. It was great, man. Worship was awesome. Preacher was kind of okay. He tried to make some jokes. Bless his heart. But you know, we'll, we'll go back next week. Try it again. And I just wonder Monday mornings when we wake up what the father's like on the edge of his throne going, I just want to meet with you. There's, there's some words. I, I, I want some exchanges to happen because I don't need you going through Monday thinking that about you. I know what they said about you, but I need you to get deep within your soul what I say about you. There's these heavenly transactions that have to happen. I want to show you a couple people in scripture, but let me read you this passage. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'm going to read it fast, okay? Uh, Pastor Lonnie, I heard him, he said, I, I preach fast. So, um, you know, when you listen to the podcast, if you want to slow it down by like 0.5, I apologize. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants. Ooh, I know that all too well. Desire, pure milk of the word. I just had a thought. Because then babies be screaming. And you feed them, and they scream again like, we just fed you. And I know it frustrates me, but I wonder what it does to the heart of God if we just got fed with the word of God and we're already crying out for more. That's not in my notes, so you better write it down. That's good. <laughs> so that by it, you may grow up into your salvation. In other words, some of us are saved, and we live our entire life immaturely saved because we haven't grown up into our salvation. This is why we can't stop with one transaction of faith. You grow up into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people but chosen and honored by God. It's talking about Jesus. You yourself as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to the holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. That's Jesus, by the way. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. Everyone say shame. It'll make sense in a second, I promise. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word of God. They were destined for this. Now, in other words, I want you to see 
Uh, some people could read that scripture and be like, oh, so there's just people who are destined to just stumble over the things of God and they'll never get it. No, 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 no. Because they were disobedient. There is something destined for the obedient and something destined for the disobedient. So when we're obedient to God, we don't trip over the cornerstone. We build our lives on it. But when we're disobedient to the word of God, the very thing that came to save us is the very thing that trips us up. You ever met someone who like even tries to study the Bible just because they hate Christians and they try to prove them wrong and they're so confused and frustrated in their mind? It's because they're tripping over the cornerstone. They're literally trying to disprove the very thing that cannot be moved and they're tripping over it and stumbling over it instead of just stopping and going, oh, I've been trying to get this thing to go instead of build my life on it. And so... It says they were destined for this because they disobey the word of God. But you are a chosen race. This is what God says about you. Wear these words. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Is anybody thankful that you before Jesus were once in darkness? You were locked up to your sin, but Jesus called you out and brought you into light. Is anybody thankful that we're out of darkness and into light? Man, I think we go to church and we just do this. And we're like, yeah, praise God. You used to be a sinner. I was in darkness. No. Man, I was destined for hell and separation from God, and he saved me. Well, it's, Pastor John, you got saved at nine years old. That doesn't count. You don't even know what it's like to really live crazy and wild and do bad stuff. And you know, I used to battle with that reality. Bad stuff, right? I, oh, I had my sins. I was a teenage boy that could, at youth group, I could put it, put it on. Everybody's like, oh, he's a godly kid. But I was one locked up by lust addicted, bound, shame, regret. That was the life I lived. You could say, oh, well, that really wasn't that bad. You do understand sin doesn't exist to make you feel bad. Sin exists to kill you. The wages of sin is not bad feelings. The wages of sin is death. Sin exists to kill us, and Jesus saved us. Is anybody thankful that I might say, yeah, man, my life does look a little bit different than maybe what somebody else is if they had like a wild season. But do you know how I, the perspective I get now? Man, if not for grace at nine years old, what would I have done? Where would I be? Would I even be here? Would I have fulfilled my purpose or my calling? We've been called out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Is anybody thankful for the mercy of God? So here's, here's what happens. We got to go fast, but the words we wear, the words we wear. I got to give you some biblical perspective when, when we look at the Bible in its entirety. I got to give you the 100,000 foot view. I can't just show you Jesus showing up on the earth. I got to bring you back to the very beginning. And when I take you back to the very beginning, what you and I are needing to do is to exchange some words that we should not be wearing to put on the words that God says about us. But the reason we have to do that is because what God originally did was he put his words on humanity and humanity traded it out. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. I don't know if you think about the garden often. I do because I personally believe if you ever like to go to coffee and have a conversation, I think the garden is the actual, I think God's intention, what God intended in Genesis is actually the setup for the entire gospel. And we see the gospel preached for the first time in Genesis chapter three. But in the garden, if you look at it, here's Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. It's perfect. They're naked. Hallelujah. I'm not, we're not starting a nudist colony. I'm just saying, like, it was him and his wife in a garden. All the married people said amen. <laughs> anyway, it's not even going to, we'll just move on, move on. 
but they're naked, right? I mean, if we're all thinking through that, like, man, you ever had the dream, like, you're in your underwear and you're naked, and you wake up freaking out? Like, ah, why was I at work? Ah. What happens? It's You're scared, shame, all this stuff. Why? Because of sin. Because Adam and Eve were in a garden completely shameless. So what God did is God actually put a word on them, and Adam and Eve were shameless. This is the word, this is the word that they wore, walking around in the garden, enjoying, hanging out, well, yeah, and let's move on. And just in the gardens, so about four people got it. Anyways, so here they go, just living life. They still had some work to do. If you look at the scripture, it said they still had to, you know, work the ground and stuff like that, but there was no thorns. There was no sweat on their brow. Um, there had to have been some kind of pain in um, childbearing because it says after sin, the Lord says, I'll increase your, your pain in childbearing. But like, man, they're just enjoying it. It's perfect. There's no sin. There's no shame. They're shameless. And then God tells them, do not eat from this tree, right? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. There was a tree of life. They could touch it. Tree of knowledge of good and evil, do not touch it. They touch it, and immediately, from shameless to shameful, they change the word that they wear. So much so that the very thing they never felt like they had to cover up, it says they run and they hide, and they begin to cover themselves up. I do not have time to walk you through the biblical revelation, which is so much fun, that they covered themselves up with fig leaves, and fig leaves are also... Jesus curses a fig tree that's bearing no fruit because it reminds him of the shame in the garden. And then Zacchaeus is hiding up in a sycamore fig tree, and he calls him out of the fig tree, representing shame, calling us out of our shame into his marvelous light. I'm just telling you, God's telling a story from the very beginning all the way into the Gospels. But they put this word on, and they wear shameful. And from this moment on, do you know what's happening? God is on the greatest mission of redeeming his people back to him. See, it was, I give you my word, and you've traded it out, and now it's you and I having to change the words we wear. Let me show you a couple people in Scripture where God did some incredible things and changed the words that they, that they wore. Well, let me say this about Adam and Eve really quick because this is important. When they're hiding because they've sinned, God says, where are you? And then Adam says, well, we were naked, so we hid ourselves. And God asks a question. And many people, I grew up in church my entire life. I did not hear this truth until I was out of ministry school. I remember, I remember leaving the service the day I learned this, what I'm about to share with you, mind blown. That God was not kicking Adam and Eve out of a garden because he was like, how dare you guys? You're so sinful and gross. He was kicking them out of the garden because the tree of life was there. If you ate from it, you would live forever. And if they ate from it after being separated, they would be separated forever. And he had to get them out of the garden so that he could buy them back. He had to redeem them back. He had to get them back. And here's what God says when he says, where are you? They said, we're naked and we hid ourselves. And they said, because we were naked. And God says, who told you that? Who told you that? Because I'm your father and I didn't tell you that. I did not tell you to be wearing shame. Who told you that? And then I love it because Adam goes, she gave me some fruit. It was her. God, it was her, God. Adam being a jerk, right? It gets to Eve, and then I love Eve. She's like, I did, but the serpent deceived me. And I love God because God's not scolding Adam. He's not scolding Eve. He gets to the serpent. In Genesis chapter 3, he preaches Jesus for the first time, and he says, through her, through woman, will come the one meaning Jesus, who you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. And he preaches the gospel to Satan for the first time. And he lets him know, I'm going to get it to the earth, but I'm going to make sure that you, deceiver, father of lies, you know that someone's coming. 
And this entire story through scriptures and the gospels is God redeeming his people back to get us wearing the right words. So check a couple people out here. Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 18, 13, and 14. Um, Something happens. I'm actually going to read you 11 through 15. Abraham and Sarah were both very old, okay? Now, I need you to know Jesus, pre-incarnated, shows up to Abraham and Sarah with two angels. It says that they're spiritual, but you can go, I promise you can go study Every theologian would agree that it's the Son of Man, pre-incarnated Jesus with two angels, shows up to him and tells him, hey, well, I'll read you what it says. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. She laughed silently to herself because the angel had just said, I'll come back this time next year, and she'll have a child. So it says she laughs to herself, and she says, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Look, she's wearing the wrong words, y'all. Look at her talking about herself that way. I'm a worn-out woman. No, you 90 and thriving, baby. Come on. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? She's not only wearing words that she shouldn't wear. She's speaking them on her husband. And it says, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Now, mind you, this is pre-incarnated Jesus speaking. Like, the air just got sucked up out the room. When you scoff at what God has said, and God says, why did you laugh? Now, the Bible says that Sarah's in the tent. He asked Abraham, why did she laugh? When he says, I'll return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Are you ready? Saying, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, no, you did laugh. Girl, don't try to lie to my face. <laughs> I don't have to be in the room to know what's going on in the room because the room doesn't exist without me. I'm everywhere. I, I'm omnipresent. I can be everywhere at one time. I can be talking to your husband and watching you. And you laughed. And as funny as the scripture can be and as, you know, just kind of very obscure type scripture, here's what the Lord spoke to me. Sarah laughed at the word that she would be blessed. See, Sarah was barren. This was the word she wore. I'm an old woman. There's no way. I haven't been able to have a child, and I'm not having one now. I'm barren. And she scoffed at the fact that God said, no, you'll be blessed. What happens is some of us have worn words for so long that they've become our identity that we would laugh at God or others at the thought of him being able to do something miraculous in our life. And I'm telling you today, change the word that you're wearing. Because Sarah ended up having that child, amen? And if you go through, there's a whole lot that God did through that child to bring about a nation. You and I are in this room, father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God, that God from a woman from barren to blessed. And this is what God does. There's a guy named Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. Joseph, I wrote this down. Joseph, if you don't know the story, Joseph was loved by his father. He had this pretty cool jacket that his brothers didn't get. And then Joseph... His brothers, he went out to find his brothers. His brother's been taking care of some sheep. He gets out there. They didn't like him. They're like, man, let's just get rid of this boy. Let's throw him in a pit and tell dad that, like, I buried him or something. So they, they, they rip his cloak off and throw their brother in a pit, an empty well. And then after a little bit, some Ishmaelite traders come by, and they're like, hey, why don't we just sell him, at least make some money off of him, and he'll be long gone. He'll probably get sold in Egypt somewhere, and then we just go put some blood on it tell dad what happened. And so that's what they did. And here's Joseph in a pit. I don't know if you've ever been put in a pit in a season in your life where you just, and I am guilty as charged. God, I don't like this. Other people, how are you? 
I'm not too good, and I don't like what's going on, and I'm confused, and I'm frustrated, and my attitude shows frustration, my faith shows frustration, I'm just frustrated, I'm in a pit, but Joseph is different, see, Joseph has to wear a word, and this is what I like about Joseph, Joseph didn't wait for the word to change for him to live out what God had said about him. God had given him a dream, and so the Bible says that he sold into slavery. He gets into a house called Potiphar's house, and it says that he becomes second in command in Potiphar's house. Everything he touches is blessed. This is the kid that's been thrown in a pit, and now he's in slavery, and he's just doing the best and honoring God. Then Potiphar's wife lies on him, tries to tell Potiphar, oh, he tried to get with me, and then gets Joseph thrown in jail. Now Joseph has gone from pit to being a slave. Now he's in prison prison. He's in prison, and several years later, after being so good in prison that even the prison guard puts him basically second in command, and he's a prisoner, but he's taking care of the, the, the prison. And after several years, there's some dream interpretation that happens, and Pharaoh calls him up to Egypt and says, you interpreted my dream. I'm putting this ring on your finger, and Joseph you are the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. If you don't know the story, a famine happens. All of his brothers and everybody, they're without food and water, and they have to travel back. And the very person they threw in a pit was the very person God used to provide for them in their need. He took him from pit to palace. But what I love about Joseph is Joseph didn't wait for a palace for his attitude and his demeanor and the way that he lived to change. He believed what God had given him even when the situation didn't look good. So some of us are like, yeah, but Pastor John, I'm wearing this word, and you don't know what I'm walking through right now. I'm telling you that I am preaching you a message today that I've lived for the past month, that I've had to get alone with the Lord when I'm frustrated. Those are beautiful babies. But your boy, overwhelmed, frustrated. God, I am not capable of this. God, we could do the church thing before, but how could this even be possible? And I've literally found myself. I, I'm, I brought it for you to give you a little picture of what it looks like. But you better find yourself a prayer place. You better turn your lamp on. I don't have time to plug it in. My buddy Eddie gave me that, and I love that lamp. My wife want to get rid of it, so I hid it somewhere. I'm going to keep it because I'm going to have a desk one day. I'm going to use it. And you better find yourself a prayer place, and you better figure out, God, this is what I'm feeling. I feel barren. I feel like I'm in a pit. But, God, I need to trade some words out right now. What what do you say about me? God, I'm not waiting for a preacher on Sunday to tell me what you say. I've got your word. God, what do you say about me? Because, because there are people that are literally waiting on you to change the words you're wearing. Those little babies that are going to grow up to two little princesses, they don't need daddy wearing the wrong words. I need to be who God says that I am so that they can see it because they'll be what they see. Your coworkers need someone walking in in their darkness and their distress, even though you've got it, but you are a son or a daughter of the king that you've changed the words that you're wearing and walking in and bringing light into their darkness. There are other people waiting on you to change the words you're wearing. There's, there's two more, Rahab. She was a prostitute in Joshua chapter two, and the Bible says that God, you, God found her, even some would be like, oh my gosh, she lives a crazy lifestyle. Why would God ever, you know, partake in, in making her a useful instrument for the, for the things of God? And that's what God does. And so I had this thought about Rahab. She brings the spies in to the city of Jericho so they can figure things out. And this was a woman who was just used by others. She used by others. That's how she, how she got by, and she had just come to grips with the fact. But yet, God switched her from used to useful. 
There's some of you in this room going, I'm coming to church, Pastor John, and like, that's, that's a lot, okay? You don't know what I've done, what I've been through, where I'm at. Like, I can't. God wants to take whatever mess you have, and it matters, and he'll turn it into a message, and I'm telling you, he'll make you useful. If you're in this room and you feel like you've been used, abused, and taken advantage of, God takes that kind of stuff and transforms it into something beautiful for his glory. But you have to be willing to change the words that you're wearing. You know what's crazy is this happened to Jesus too. And of course, Jesus had people trying to speak words about him, but Jesus did a little bit different. Jesus is the righteous son of God. And he was ridiculed. Let's read the scripture together really quick. Luke 18, 32, 33. He, was, he will be handed over to the Romans and will be mocked and treated shamefully. And they'll spit upon him and they'll flog him and whip him and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Ridiculed. But he knew he was the righteous one. This was his identity that he lived out. People can say and do and treat however they want. But Jesus lived out the identity, he wore the word that the Father gave him. And guess what? There are moments that Jesus' humanity showed up just like you and I. He was in the garden saying, God, if there's any other way, because Jesus was fully God. But people will say this. People will go, well, Jesus was God, and so, of course, he did miracles. You know, of course, Jesus was fully God and fully man. Theologically, we would say two natures together but not mixed. So he could feel pain. He felt temptation. It's why we can go to Jesus because he is the only person when it comes to any kind of faith in the world that can look at you and say, I know. Because go to any other religion or any other faith and find someone who said, hey, I came down and lived the life that you lived to feel what you would feel so that I could sympathize with you. Jesus can sympathize with the weakness. He knows what it's like. He's that good of a God. But Jesus, living with what God said about him, no matter what everyone else was saying, he was ridiculed, but he lived as the righteous one. And in the garden that day, his humanity showed up and he said, Father, if there's any other way, because he could, he, he could feel just like you and I. And so this whole thing, I just need you to see the picture from the garden to now. God is trying to redeem us. Why does this matter? Why do words matter? Because I promise you the words that you wear, what you believe about yourself will put you either on your purpose or off the purpose God has for you. The word that you wear, what you believe about yourself, what you speak over yourself, the Bible says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And I've said this for years, and it was just something the Lord told me, and he walked me through it. I used to love, I used to listen to all different kinds of preachers. As a preacher, like, always listen to podcasts and listen to somebody, and that's great. If you listen to other preachers and you like someone who preaches better than me, awesome, cool, whatever. But God, there was a, two years, God said, John, stop listening to anybody else preach and get in this. And I, I, I struggled in school with reading comprehension, so reading aloud, like, helps me, like, retain it. And the Lord told me, he said, John, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but please know, John, that your faith will grow the strongest ever when you hear you read the word of God. If you're going, man, I'm just, I hear what you're saying, but, like, I, I struggle to, like, to, to take these words off and not believe this about me. You need to get in the word of God, and you need to hear you read what God says about you. Your faith will grow. You need to read and hear yourself say what God is saying, I promise you. And so here's the thing with the words we wear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish this out quick. But the words we wear, they matter, right? I mean, I start looking at things like, like, like doubt, right? Um, empty, fear, lies. You know, what's interesting about pride is pride is actually the first sin. Pride is the root of all sin. 
Because Satan was the first one to do something before the garden. He's the one that wanted God's seat. And so a lot of times we'll be fearful and be like, well, I'm just a timid, fearful person. But that's actually rooted in pride because it's, it's the pride of I'm so concerned what everyone else thinks. There's depression. There's confusion. There's sinful. There's aimless. Look, you got so many stuff starts falling off of you. Some of y'all are anxious. Some of y'all have hate. Some of y'all got stress. Like we just wear these words. We wear them. I'm just stressed right now. I've got anxiety. Listen to me right now, especially young people in the room, because it's an epidemic sweeping your generation. Anxiety is a real thing. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. No one's saying that you can't go talk with someone. All of that is fine. Stop, and in this house, in the name of Jesus, stop saying you have anxiety. You don't. You don't. Anxiety is something you're dealing with. It doesn't have you. You ever meet people that are like, I... uh, just about emotions, it's okay to have emotions. It's not okay for emotions to have you. It's not. It's not. It's not what Jesus died for you to wear. Just because it's present doesn't mean it owns you. And so what happens is, is if we don't find ourselves in the prayer place, if we don't find ourselves, if you're trying to, if you're trying to get these words off of you Sunday to Sunday, it ain't going to work. Because I've been out for three weeks, and I'm telling you, this guy right here has been in that place just trying to exchange words. God, I can't. And then, and then it's 2 a.m., and the baby's crying, and I put it back on. Trying to figure stuff out ministry-wise, and things are growing, and, and there's blessing, but there's burden, right? People call and being like, hey, I'm going through this. Can you counsel me? And I'm like, can you counsel me? And if I'm not here, if I'm not with God, day to day, habitation, and some of you are like, Pastor John, I don't even know what that looks like. And that looks like start somewhere, play a worship song on the way to work, way maker, miracle worker. Even if I can't see it, I know you're working. Start somewhere, right? Mine, I, I've kind of got three places that are my, my prayer place, and one of them has completely disappeared in this season. It'll come back one day. But... And if you're in this place going like, man, my life's busy, then find something you do every day. So one of my prayer places, I'm just going to be honest with you, is in the shower, okay? Because I, I'm going to take showers, amen, right? And be clean. And so I pray there because it's a thing that I don't have to like plan. I don't have to like, oh, I got I to gotta go to the park and get alone with the Lord when, when life's crazy, right? And life is a little bit crazy right now. So I'm going to take a shower. I don't know when because me and Sean are like, hey, baby, just sleep. I'll hold babies. Go, go take a shower, right? You know? But I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to pray. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long, but I've got a place. And God, God, I want to put on what you say about me. God, who you say I am. God, I just got frustrated with Summer Kate. I should not have talked to her that way. God, I, I got to take these words off. I got to put, put on what you say about me. And so when we spend time in the prayer place, we can begin to do that, right? We begin to put on boldness. No, boldness we keep in, in Jesus' name. What's this? What is that? Aimless. Bye. Clarity. Well, I still got boldness. Truth. Purpose. Joy, peace, it's okay that they fall off. It'll make sense in a second. Humility, forgiven, patience, confidence, love, amen? Like I'm putting these words on, I'm wearing them. This is what God says about me. I don't have to feel it to live it because faith isn't a feeling. Actually, if faith has anything to do with feeling, it's that Jesus felt the death for you and I. And we didn't even have to be there for it to bring us out of darkness, This is miraculous. And so 
We have to change the words we wear. And, and here's, here's what I felt the Lord say to me. When you begin to change the words you wear, then it turns into, this is the word I wear. And then it gets you to Ephesians 6, the full armor of God. And then you begin to say every single day, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. If you haven't done that and you got kiddos, man, you need to just learn uh, the, the full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. But do, do you get the word I wear? I'm in it every day. It's the word I wear. It's the word I wear. I know what God says about me. I believe his promises. They are yes and amen. They were for people then and they are for people now. This is not some, some church that's like, well, we just don't believe that's an operation anymore. No, no, everything in the Bible that is absolutely perfect, the power of God, miracles, signs, wonders, forgiveness, grace, mercy, all available. This is the word I wear. And I don't always feel it, but I put it on because of what he felt for me of what he felt for me. And then this is what the Lord told me to finish with. Will you stand to your feet? Because I just believe the Lord wants to do something in this moment. I've got to give you this picture, and I know I went a little longer, and if it's your first time, then you should really, I'm going to give you this one that says forgiveness over here. Just come get it after service. But Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and Matthew um, 17. So Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and then Matthew 17, okay? So Matthew chapter 3, verse 17 is this. Jesus comes to John the Baptist and says, I need you to baptize me. And John the Baptist says, <laughs> he laughs to himself. <laughs> he baptized you. You should be baptizing me. I mean, I've been the one out here eating locusts and honey and being a little crazy saying, prepare the way. He's coming. And then you show up and you want me to, what are you, what are you talking about? And Jesus says, this must happen. I need you to baptize me. Thank goodness John was obedient. Amen. He baptizes Jesus, and the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 17, as Jesus comes out of the water, a voice came from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Please know that at this point, Jesus has never done a miracle. He has not preached a word. His ministry starts after this. He actually hears God's voice, and if you ever want to hear God's voice, you need to be ready for what happens on the other side of God's voice. Do you know what happened to Jesus on the other side of God speaking? The Bible says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. God, I just want to hear you. God, just speak. Just make sure you're ready for what might come on the other side of that. And it's the most growing, stretching, and advancing thing you'll ever go, grow, you'll ever go through. But here's what I love about what God said. Jesus hasn't performed a miracle. He hasn't preached a message on the side of a mountain. He hasn't fed 5,000 people plus women and children with just a, a little lunch. He hasn't done anything. And guess what? He is my beloved son and I'm pleased with him. Now Jesus goes around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, raising the dead, opening up blind eyes. He, he's preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. He's telling people that something is going to happen, that they, their, their redeemer is here. He's, I mean, advancing. He's got this group of ragtag teenagers, and he's just going all over and flipping cities upside down. And then it says in Matthew 17, he goes up to a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. It's at this moment that the, the Spirit Spirit of God, the presence of God is preparing Jesus to go die on the cross. And in this moment, I love Peter. Peter's wild, y'all. Peter's always saying stuff. Jesus, this is sweet. Man, look, there's a cloud. And Elijah, and Mo man. I don't know if he, I don't know why I just gave him a country accent, but I did. Let, let me build a tent for you and for them too. And then as he's talking, a voice comes out of the cloud and says, this 
is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. What I need to tell you about the words you wear is that when you say yes to Jesus, you're his. Before you've ever done anything, I don't care what good or bad thing you've done. Before the fact he said, this is mine and I am pleased. In the very beginning when he made Adam and Eve, this is humanity. I love them. I created them for my glory and I'm pleased with them. Yes, they messed up and I'm sending a redeemer and I'm buying them back. So before you do anything and after you have all your accolades and your business grows and you do really great stuff in ministry he says one thing about you you're his it's the only words you need to wear you're his he loves you he's for you he's not against you you are his son or his daughter of the beloved king this is the word we wear I don't care what anyone says I'm his I've been bought with a price I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus there's nothing more expensive on the planet than the blood of Jesus. And because of that blood, I am his. Every trial, every tribulation, everything you go through, because you will go through them. John 16, in this life you will have trouble, but take heart, he's overcome the world. And if he's overcome it and I'm his, bring it on, devil, because I know that in Genesis 3, he looked you in the face and said, one's coming and he'll crush your head. And that has happened and I am his. What words are you wearing? And can I tell you today, you can take some words off because there's some people in the room, your father walked out on you and you wear the word of abandon. And I'm here to tell you right now, you've been adopted. You've been adopted. There's some people in the room right now, you've struggled with an addiction and you've had times where you're off of it, but you find yourself making your way back to it and you're just like, I'm just addicted. No, it is for freedom that you've been set free. You are free in Christ, you are free. Guess what, this is your season to begin to walk in freedom in a whole new way. It's time to change the words we wear. Jesus, I give my life to you. Awesome. Now, what are the faith transactions that you're taking as you go on the voyage of following Jesus to live in the reality and in the identity that you are his? The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. But he's the father of lies, not the father of you and I. And can I tell you, there's some people in the room, there's been lies spoken over you, and they've impacted you, and here's why. I'm going to make a statement that's very important to understand for the rest of your life. Lies are real. They are not true. Lies are real. They impact us. When people say things over us, speak things over us, say things about us, it's real. It impacts. It hurts. But it's not true. It's not true. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.